The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special off-season edition, host George Templeton reviews what's been happening since the last time the Rams hit the court. And now, here's George. It is a new day here at Rams Rewind. It is a new season, and we've been waiting to see what would happen with the roster with all those players uh, enter the portal and are leaving and what would happen with Ryan Odom and how he was going to remake this roster and it is starting to take shape. It's been a very la- very exciting last couple weeks and here to join us here on Rams Rewind to talk about that is the, is the guy who's covering VCU and high school football for the Richmond Times-Dispatch and of course for those of you who don't know we're listening for the first time I worked for the Richmond Times-Dispatch many years ago so that's that you know we're putting all our biases and whatever cards on the table. He is Zach Joaquin. He's done a he's done a, he's hit the ground running and done a fantastic job. Zach, welcome back to Rams Rewind. He also joined us last summer to talk about Fats Phillips when he joined up at VCU. George, thank you so much for for having me on, man. It's a it's a joy to talk some Rams, and I appreciate the kind words. It's been uh, oh. as we were talking about before coming on here, a bit of a trial by fire in the first few weeks on the beat. Yeah, I, I have to say. <laughs> it doesn't get much better than your first week on the beat and the coach bolts for the pass for the Big Ten and, and players en masse enter the transfer portal and nobody knows what's going on and, and, and the new coach is hired four hours later. So that's that's kind of interesting too. There's There was all sorts of stuff going on, but everybody's been waiting for this and the, and the dam started to break last week before anybody else really that I saw on the internet you had the story about the local about the local products uh, coming back home to VCU. Joe Vanisil, Roosevelt Wheeler, Jason Nelson. It was a great reporting that you did. Tell us about how you got onto that story and how you and how you were able to dig that up and report that. Well, thank you so much for that, man. I, I guess I'd just start by saying I was I was grateful to the parents who, when their kids were in this decision-making process, decided to, to take the time to share their stories with a reporter, which I appreciated a great deal. I think I got lucky with the timing because I was moving from high school athletics to the VCU beat right when this reunion was kind of coming about. And so I, I covered these kids in high school, right? I'd talked to, to Jason Nelson Sr., uh, before uh, when Jason was at John Marshall, I covered Roosevelt Wheeler's commitment to Louisville. And I talked to him and his mother um, at that. And I'd covered Efton Reed as well when he was in high school. Um, and so I knew all of these kids and had some familiarity with them. And and that helped out a great deal. And so I kind of heard through back channels, you know, coaches locally that had worked with them before. Uh, a lot of people at Team Loaded, honestly, um, and, and in that kind of community, obviously knew that this was happening before it did. And so I started hearing a lot of whispers and and there were whispers in that week leading up to, I think, on VCU Twitter. Right. There were some people starting to talk about big recruiting weekend for VCU coming up. Um, and so and then on Friday, um, I, I texted Jason Nelson Sr. Um, and reached out to Roosevelt Wheeler's mom and, and Efton Reed's mom and the parents were really forthcoming. 
And it was awesome to hear what they had to say about reuniting because this isn't just the kids like this is the parents, too, who are all really close and kind of became a family on that 2018 team that went 40 and 0 and ended the season as I think the top ranked 15U team in the country when all these kids were playing together. And so the parents all developed that close relationship then um, along with the kids. And so they'd always kind of joked in the background over the years about, hey, if we ever had the opportunity, how cool would it be to to play together again, whether that be, you know, in college or, or, or down the road? I don't know. But they'd always toyed with the idea of reuniting because I felt like there was a lot of chemistry there. And then they were all in the portal at the same time. And it was just kind of a perfect storm over the last few weeks. Um, and I can't emphasize enough how what I've heard from all corners is how instrumental Fats Billups was. Um, because he knows all these kids too. He played AAU with them. They're kind of from the same basketball community. Um, Jason Nelson went to Verina before he went to John Marshall. So he and Fats have played together before. And so all the kids knew one another well. And, and the parents told me that Fats kind of was the envoy here early on and, and who reached out to them and said, hey, we've obviously got a lot of turnover here. We're going to have roster spots and everything. What do you guys think about the idea of, of, of playing together again? So him and Jason were in communication for a while there. And then Jason communicated with Rose and the parents started talking and then word got to Efton. And so I think that this, again, it was just a perfect storm in a moment where there was a ton of mobility on VCU's roster. All the spots were open and the kids happened to be in the portal together at the same time. And Joe had played with all of them before. And this is Joe's fourth school, I think, now, right? And so all the kids were in the portal together. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about eligibility here, but that's what comes to mind, too. That's obviously a conversation with Joe and Efton because they're multi-time transfers. And that's something that the kids are considering. But I think that it was a perfect opportunity for them to come home and be closer to their support systems. Uh, the Nelsons talked a lot about that, I think, with the other kids about because obviously Jason was at Richmond before and so never really left home to go play in college. And they kind of told all of the other kids who'd gone further away, like, hey, it's it's pretty special to have your parents and your coaches and your loved ones around you. Um, and Jason's really been able to be comfortable. And I think he's excited about the switch to, to have a new scene in a system that maybe he feels more comfortable in, but to still have that same support system around him that he had at Richmond. And so, yeah, I, I think to answer your question, it was a perfect storm in terms of, of me having covered high school before and having familiarity with these kids. And then all of a sudden they're talking in back channels about reuniting. And it's a really cool story. Um, looking back in, in VCU history, I think some of those teams in like the 80s had a ton of local connections too. And so maybe it's not right to say this is the most local VCU team ever, but it's definitely will be the most local in, in modern VCU memory, right? I mean, they've got a chance to start four, maybe five, eight or four guys on this team. Um, and I think that's going to create a really special excitement in the Seagull Center. Well, and that's the interesting thing too, because we had we had some local guys on the on the 2011 Final Four team, and in those years, Jesse Pellet Rosa made the winning free throw when they made the tournament in 2004. I was there that I was there in the stands, saw that. So we've had it. That current has run through the program, but until Fats Billups came last year, and we talked about this last year when we did the episode about him, you know, I think a lot of people were excited just because it's a violin got a local kid coming again. The other thing is this. I have complained as a fan of DMV schools, you know, Maryland and in, in in, up and in, around the D.C. area, but VCU too, and really for all the state schools, how much talent that the colleges around here have left, have let go, let leave, have left the state in basketball and football, but basketball to me, it's really kind of jarring, and men's and women's, and all the best players seem to leave, and I feel like that this moment right here with these 
three guys, potentially four if it's Efton Reed, could be a watershed, a complete sea change. Because if they can come home and they're successful and VCU successful and you see the atmosphere it generates, maybe finally Ryan Odom's going to crack the code that all these other coaches from, you know, the schools up in D.C. and Maryland down to the Tidewater haven't been able to figure out it is how to keep the great local talent staying home. It's era defining potentially, right, for Ryan. I mean, it's it's he's got to have a lot of belief in this group to put so many chips in this basket, you know, very early in his tenure. Right? I mean, this is the core of his roster. Obviously, we're going to talk about in a little bit here. He's got some guys that are familiar with his system and have played for him before coming in as well. But these are all kids that that haven't played for him before. Um, that are going to have to this I'm sure there'll be a learning curve with learning his system but he's clearly got a lot of belief in the cohesion um, that that group has and their chance to I mean let's be real they've they've so far I'm sure they'd be the first ones to tell you this specifically Rose in his two years at Louisville they haven't reached what they think their potential is to this point right and and Efton didn't get much of a chance last year at Gonzaga with some really talented bigs and in front of him um, and Rose the last couple of years at Louisville. I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch Louisville this last year, but it was a, a, horrible a bit of yeah, it was a bit of a mess the last couple of years. And so I think it's easy to say that their struggles to this point were more a product of the situations that we were that they were in. I mean, Efton left LSU because of the Will Wade fiasco, right? I mean, he had a good freshman year at LSU, and then goes to Gonzaga, where you know he's he's got some really talented guys in front of him. So I think that Ryan has to feel like I mean, Efton was a top twenty recruit out of high school. Rose was top 50. Joe was top 100. I think Jason might have been as well, right? And so all of these guys um, have got to, Ryan's got to feel like they've got a chance to reach a ceiling that they haven't showed yet at the college level, even though Joe did have that one great year at George Washington where he was third team all A-10. So he's he showed a little bit. And I think Jason definitely showed some flashes last year for Richmond, right? Um, But I think that they've all got to feel like there's an unrealized ceiling there and getting back together with guys that you have familiarity with has got to be part of unlocking that ceiling for all of them and playing in in Ryan's system that we've heard so much about, right? This four out, free-flowing, shoot a lot of threes, push the tempo offensive system that I think a lot of people in the VCU community are are excited to see put in action. How how deep were VCU into these three guys when they originally were were graduating high school and getting to college? Were they they on their lists? Were they close to maybe getting any of them or or were they were they kind of further down the pecking order? That to, to the best of your recollection, when these guys not, were up? not Efton, I think he was a top twenty recruit, mm-hmm. and so he the, his suitors nationally were were real blue bloods, um, and I think a, a bit of a tier above VCU. But um, Rose said that it was his second choice when he and that he was close to staying home and going to VCU when he when he picked Louisville. Um, and Jason Nelson Sr. said the same thing about Jason and his and his decision process is that VCU was right there for him. But uh, at the time that he was deciding Bones and Ace were both at VCU. And so mm-hmm. I think that he might have er, originally gone to VCU had it not been for the talent that was already there in the backcourt ahead of him. And obviously he couldn't have been able to foresee a couple years down the road here. Bones is in the NBA and Ace is at Penn State. And so now the door is open for him in a program that he very much considered. Um, I'm not sure about Joe. I know that Joe's obviously bounced around a little bit. Um, I think that VCU was was in consideration for him. Um, he seems like a VCU player, doesn't he? Um, he seems like kind of a Nick Kern replacement, great cutter, um, really physical downhill guard. He's going to get to the basket, um, draw a lot of contact, finish through contact. Um, excited to see 
his game in the A-10 because we've already seen it translate well to the A-10 at that year that he was third team all A-10 at George Washington. I think he averaged like 16 points. Um, he was really productive for them. And then went to Oklahoma last year and, and didn't get a whole lot of minutes. Um, so, but you mentioned earlier the local recruiting push, and I've thought about this a few times over these past couple of weeks, that it's interesting I've been covering high school football a lot over the past couple of years. And so there's been a lot made of Tony Elliott and Brent Pry kind of doing the same thing because that's a similar narrative, right? That's been yes. out there about high school football in Virginia and the DMV area about all the best talent leaves. And so I know that both Elliott and Pry, and particularly Pry, has, has, has really made that an emphasis to try and strengthen some of those local connections. And so it's interesting to me that it seems that Ryan has kind of made that a similar priority. Um, in in his new regime at, at at VCU, if that was man when he got off the plane, that's clearly one of the first things he said is I'm trying to get some some local connections and and strengthen those ties with local coaches. I mean, you're at VCU, you're in the center of the state. You can drive two to two and a half hours in any direction and find a really good player or players that could make you not just a contender in the A10 could make you a regular tournament participant, maybe even a regular tournament participant in the second weekend. That That's what we're talking about being in Virginia here. And and not just Virginia, D.C. And, and Prince George's County, Maryland are only two, two and a half hours away, I know, because I've driven up there enough time. So it's it, if Ryan Odom can figure that out, that would be amazing. Now, you mentioned Jason Nelson, and you talked about that he could have ended up at VCU, but at the time, Bones is there, Ace Baldwin's there, there's not a lot of there. There wasn't probably a lot of minutes for him. You know, he goes to Richmond, and I'm looking at Jason Nelson for Richmond next year, and I'm thinking if Trey Burton stays, and I assume I think he is staying, that's a really good backcourt. So, and and I would assume he's going to start and play a lot and play well. So, why is Jason Nelson going across town? I mean, it's it's got a, it's I'm trying to remember of a of a transfer in either direction between VCU and Richmond in basketball, and I can't think of one. So. That that was kind of the most interest, one of the more interesting pieces to this. We yeah, in the last couple of weeks, I've asked around, and and John O'Connor at the TD has covered Richmond for a long time, and he didn't remember anyone ever having done this before. And so I I think it's safe to say that this has never happened before. It'll certainly add a little extra spice um, to the Capital City Classic next year, right? I think I saw on Twitter it was it was great. Him and uh, Neil Quinn, oh. who are who are good friends, I think, were talking about Thanksgiving is going to be a little awkward next year um and and so i thought that was a cool interaction to see between them i think that the nelsons felt like um jason could do with some more freedom offensively um i think mr nelson said in that story when he feels like ryan's system is going to allow a playmaker to be a playmaker and maybe in the in the princeton offense and in in mooney's system they felt like it was a little rigid and that he didn't have the leeway to to kind of be a free flowing playmaker and dictate the offense a little bit a little bit more. Whereas at at UR, he felt like it was you know everything was controlled by sets and you knew where the ball was going a lot of the time. Um, and he didn't have the freedom maybe to to be the playmaker that he wants to be. That that's what I've heard from them. Um, and I don't have a whole lot of familiarity with with Ryan's system, obviously, right? I I mean I've seen his Utah State teams, his UMBC teams. I think VCU is going to look more like his UMBC teams did than his utah state teams just just based on personnel um but i think that i, I know that they push the tempo i know they want to get a lot of threes up um i know that he's big on analytics and has an analytics coach and so i think it's going to be a lot of like get to the cup or shoot a three um looking for the best shot on the floor statistically and so i, I think that all of those things lend themselves to to jason really pushing the pace a little more and having some more freedom off offensively um i mean he made some highlight real passes 
this past year for for Richmond. And um, I know his playing time lessened a little bit as the season went on, but he certainly showed flashes and I think ended up averaging eight points and two assists, right? Um, and was obviously a huge recruit out of high school. So you've got to think similar to what we've said with the other guys, there's a huge ceiling there that hasn't necessarily been unlocked with him yet. And I think that that's how Jason and the Nelsons feel about he wasn't really able to to totally be himself as a playmaker um, and as a floor general at UR and that they'll have that opportunity at VCU. Well, so that's that's one piece of this new remade roster that we've talked about. But the other piece is this, and we're reaching back to another era. Uh, no, uh, we've reached back to one era with a lot with the influx of local talent, but we're now reaching back to an era that I know very well because I was at VCU at this time. And that's the era of having international players yeah. on the roster with the men and the women too, but all, the, the men especially, um, which we had in the late 90s and early aughts as VCU got back on speed under Mac McCarthy. There were some international players that were actually crucial to that. And now these two Utah State transfers represent a reach back to that. Matt Schluga and uh, and, and, uh, and now the other kid's name just keeps me uh, draw a blank. Barristow, uh, Sean Barristow. Sean Barristow, thank you very much. Matt Schluga and Sean Barristow. Sean Barristow's Australian. Matt Schluga's Ukrainian. Uh, let's talk about them and and what they're going to bring to the table here for VCU. Well, obviously, familiarity with Ryan's system, I, I think, is is what jumps out at you at first, right? They started all 35 games for, for Utah State last year, both of them. This is a team that got an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament and a number 10 seed. And so that familiarity and Shulga was a lot of the time. I think Stephen Ashworth was kind of their star guy offensively and was running the show a lot of the time. But Shulga initiated the offense like he's a combo guard. He can bring the ball up sometimes. Um, Bearstow is I'm not sure what to make of his profile. He's 6'8", 205. And he was listed as a guard on Utah State site. But I've also seen recruiting sites list him as a forward or a wing. And so I think it sounds to me like he can kind of play the two through four. And in a smaller lineup could be like a stretch four or in a bigger lineup, you could put him at the two. Um, and a lot of the time he could also play the three and probably guard all three of those positions as well. Um, and so he's a really interesting piece. They both averaged double digits last year. Um, they were big pieces of an NCAA tournament team. And so I think that when you've got so many new pieces coming in, right, we talked about the team loaded 804 reunion. None of those guys have played with Ryan Odom before having a couple of guys um, to kind of get everyone else acclimated to running his system, I imagine would be an enormous boon for for Ryan here developmentally and getting everyone kind of comfortable playing together. And he said before that he wants to play a kind of European style, right? And 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 you would think that even though Berstow is Australian, that's obviously not European, but these those are two guys that are familiar with Euroball um, and with that style of play. Um, and we'll kind of set an example for the rest of the guys on the roster that are new to Ryan's system. Um, Shulga can really shoot it. Um, I know that he caught fire for them in some games from three point range. Um, good passer too. um, was kind of their second offensive initiator, uh, after Ashworth on that team. Um, and so I think that he could be on the floor with Jason a lot of the time, but could also play the one if, if they wanted to give Jason some, some time off and maybe play a bigger lineup with Shulga at the one. Um, and like I said, I think Bearstow can play two through four. And so you could see him. Uh, in some really versatile lineups positionally, where if you wanted to play a little smaller, you could put him at the four. Or if you wanted to have a huge lineup out there, you could have a 6'8", 205, two guard. Um, and he also, um, he won, I think I saw videos of him the other day. He won like the Utah slam dunk contest 
Mm-hmm. In high school, those those videos have been circulating. So great athleticism. He can throw it down. Maybe he'll uh, get the Seagull Center on its feet a few times next year with some dunks. Seems like he's definitely got that in his game. Um, and so it's two guys with the little bit that I know of their games. I think they're great pieces. I think they could both start. Um, that they, There'll definitely be a competition there. Um, you would think that Jason is lined up to be the starting one right now and 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 maybe Shulga the two. Um Joe's going to fight for a spot too. Um, there'll be other pieces coming in. So, and again, they started all 35 teams last year for uh, games last year for a team that made the NCAA tournament. So I think it's two guys who are probably coming in expecting a lot of playing time. Um, Bearstow only has one year of eligibility left. Shulga has two. So I'm sure that with both of them, um, playing time will be imperative and they probably expect to start um, coming into this team. And, and with the familiarity with Ryan's system, they'll get a lot of minutes and they will be huge pieces and they can both shoot it. Um, like I said, to Bearstow, not as consistent, didn't shoot it with the value, the volume that Shulga did, um, but he can shoot it too. Um, Bearstow struggles from the line a little bit. That stood out to me in his statistics. He shot like 52% from the line when um, he was in the high 30s from three. So it's, that'll be something to keep an eye on. He's interesting. He seems like one of those guys who's more comfortable shooting it from outside than he is from the free throw line. But Shulga is like an 80 plus percent free throw shooter too. Um, and, a, and a really great three-point shooter who can get super hot. And so both guys that are going to provide great spacing on the floor that I think really lends itself to the the Euro ball that Ryan wants to play. It's the second time you read my mind in this thing because I was just going to say I was just going to say that I felt like we could see a lot of two ball handler lineups with Nelson mm-hmm. and Shulga on the floor together to to you know to deal with pressure if they're going to encounter it. To you know, to deal with the, some of the really good defensive teams that are in this league, it would sometimes could could get Ace in a little bit of trouble and getting cat and get Ace and, and, and jammed up in some certain situations. So that that is interesting to me. And again, I'm looking at I'm looking at this roster even as it stands now, and it's not done obviously. And I'm seeing maybe even maybe not in the front court yet. And again, that's going to depend on some of the guys we're about to talk about in a few minutes. But I'm seeing a lot of depth in the backcourt, at least as much as last year, maybe more so. And and for me, I would love it if one of the things I like, and as I said before, as I said before on this podcast, one of the things I liked about Mike Rhodes' approach that he went away from a little bit was that army approach and playing ten and sometimes eleven guys and wearing teams down. Ryan Odom looks kind of set to at least in the backcourt do something like that. Oh, I think there's even in the front court too. I mean, we're obviously waiting to hear official word from Efton right now. But with the two, the the rising sophomores, right? For me mm-hmm. and Lawal, I think they both showed really good flashes last year, and they'll both want a lot more playing time coming into this year. And so I think between them and Rose, that's a great start at a front court. And if you get one more big in there, then I think they're going to have good depth there as well. But definitely, I mean, to to deal with pressure, I would think that you'll see a lot of lineups with Nelson and Shulga both out there. Um, Shulga very much a true combo guard um, so I think he's probably more comfortable at the two with Jason bringing it up and he can play off the ball but he can certainly do both um, and so it'll, it'll be great to have that sort of versatility um, and a, I think definitely deeper than last year at the two guard spot right because Bear still can play there Joe can play there and Shulga's comfortable there so I think you'll have a lot of options in that regard and then some more guys possibly hopefully coming in here that that we'll talk about um, who could also play those roles. And I'm wondering what's going on with Jaron McAllister, right? Because we had seven guys enter the portal, right? Mm-hmm. Six of them are gone. Um, Jaron's the one that entered the portal in like late March. It was before Mike even left that Jaron entered the portal, and we just haven't heard anything about him since then. Um, and so he could stay. It would obviously be late. great 
you know, to see a kid that's had two ACL injuries be able to to come back and contribute for this roster, that'd be a feel good story. But I also think everyone would would understand if he wanted a fresh start um, after everything and after the the adversity that he's dealt with over the past couple of years. And so I've heard we've heard names. I think there's four roster spots open if, right now if Jaron leaves, and we've heard yeah. names for three of them. And so it's interesting to me that we haven't really heard, I think, a fourth name out there to fill that spot. That makes me think that especially this late in the game, I mean, man, what's today? It's the 25th. The yep. portal closes May 11th. So, like, no. Jaren's, Jaren's got to make a decision really soon here. Again, would be great to see him come back and contribute in a VCU uniform. That'd be an awesome story. Um, but he's got to figure it out, and Ryan's got to figure out what to do with that spot pretty soon here. Let's continue with the international thing because you mentioned this to me when we were communicating back and forth that this young man is definitely coming and we're going to talk about another young man who VCU's uh, into and may, may be able to get to come here. Jacob Patrick, who's played in the German League, uh, 18 years old, pretty talented outside shooter by the look of it. Uh, you know, and again, another another fairly fairly sizable guard. We, we're going to have a lot of, except for Jason Nelson, we're going to have a lot of sizable guards uh, here at VCU. Uh, this next, next coming season, God, and and that's something that I think could could very much, very much keep us as a really good defensive team because that's one of the hallmarks of us has been such a good team, be able to clamp the other team's guards. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Jacob Patrick and 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 what you see what you see as his potential future for VCU. Uh, he's 19 years old. Um, I think he'd be he'd be a freshman coming in. Um, mm-hmm. He plays for um, MHP Ryzen. Uh, I, I think his name, I have his profile. Yeah, MHP Ryzen Lud- Ludwigsburg. Um, I, I've got his profile up here right now. I am admittedly not familiar with that professional team, but he plays professionally in Germany. Um, I know he's had experience playing for the younger German national teams, um, I believe at the 18U level. Um, mm-hmm. He's 6'5", and he's listed as a shooting guard. So to your point, um, there'd be a lot of length here. His dad um, has experience coaching. Uh, in the country i'm trying to pull up his profile i believe his name is john patrick but i've heard that jacob um has actually been to vcu games and has some family in the the richmond area yeah and so i'm not sure what that connection is i'm hoping to do a deeper dive into him shortly here when things become official i think that they they've got my impression is that they've got pretty confident word from him that this is where he wants to go but they've uh, he obviously plays professionally overseas and so there's a lot of different legwork and that you have to jump through and paperwork and stuff to to get a professional player coming to an american college um from overseas and i'm not sure what all the logistics look like there but i know there's a lot they have to sort through and so i think they're waiting on the the german club to kind of work through all of the logistics there but he'd be a really interesting ad his dad was a coach um in the u.s for a while and has also coached overseas um and so familiarity with that euro game familiarity um, playing professionally against some guys. I mean, as far as freshmen go, he would be incredibly experienced, even only as a 19-year-old. Um, that's a higher level of competition that he's played against over over there than high school kids in the U.S. play against, for sure. Um, and so he'd be a really interesting add with roots in the Richmond area. Um, and I think that Ryan certainly has eyes on the future with him. I'm not sure how much he'd play next year, but I think there'd be a chance for him to contribute um, as a guy who's played professionally right and comes in with more experience than a normal freshman would so but yeah it's it, it's interesting a, a lot of length a lot of height that it seems like ryan is trying to recruit at that two spot it's, it seems like patrick might be a guy who could probably play the three as well um 
with his specs and as you said a guy that can shoot it from outside um so some unknowns there and then another one that i, I imagine we were going to segue to shortly here is michael bell that mm-hmm. we've all heard a lot about um he plays for strasbourg i know a little bit more about him he plays for strasbourg in france um he's a six seven wing is what he's listed as but i've heard that there's there's definitely guard skills there and he sometimes brings the ball up the floor um for his professional team and so he in a really big lineup he could probably play the two um but he's a wing he's a jameer watkins replacement is i think most what what he profiles as um as uh, and he can shoot it from outside as well uh, he's british though um even though he plays in france he's british and i think the connection here is that he knows toby um, uh, they're, they're about that. Okay. they went to the same basketball academy in london and so i think that that's part of where the connection is i think he's down to vcu and dayton right now so a, a fun battle uh recruiting wise atop the a10 there um between some old adversaries and between anthony grant and ryan odom um and i think that he's making that decision right now i believe ryan flew over there um to try and to try and convince him and, and get him over the line and he'd be a really interesting skill set to add like i said six seven wing who has some guard skills and can shoot it from outside and again same thing as patrick right he's played professionally and so i think he'd come in as a freshman as well um but with a lot more experience um against high level competition than you would expect of a normal incoming freshman recruit um that's a high level that he's playing over there in france um and there's been a lot of there's definitely interest he followed me back on Twitter when, when I followed him and I saw that there was a, um, a VCU fan account that said something in one of the 24 seven hoops posts about him. They commented and, and were talking about his game a little bit and bell actually retweeted it. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was talking about how VCU has recruited him for a long time and Odom recruited him going back to Utah state. And so there's definitely some, some familiarity and some interest there. And yeah, I think he's down to just VCU and Dayton right now. And one of the last pieces that, that Ryan's trying to get over the line with this roster. So as we stand now, and and we'll we'll talk about Efton Reed in a moment here. If Efton Reed, Jacob Patrick's over the line. If Efton Reed and Michael Bell are over the line, that would leave us with one spot, right? And so if that Jer- if Jaron leaves, I if think Jaron leaves, if Jaron were to stay, then that, that I think that would be it. Okay. So th- I'd say top to bottom, it's it, it's. It ought to make VCU fans feel really good about the future that if that's the roster we've got after losing the players that we've lost to the transfer portal, I think any of us would have been would have been very surprised to have a roster as quality as that. Absolutely. I, I, that's a roster that could genuinely compete for an A-10 title next year, right? I think, I think that's the consensus here. These are guys that Reed was a top 20 recruit. Wheeler was a top mm-hmm. 50 recruit. Jason and, and, and Joe were top 100. I mean, these are... And, and Bearstow and, and Shulga started all 35 games for an NCAA tournament team last year. Like, it's a lot of new pieces. It'll certainly be a, a Petri dish, right? Yeah. Or this will be a big experiment, um, trying to see how all of these guys fit together and the cohesion will certainly be a work in progress. I think they'd all say that because there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, I mean, some guys coming over from Europe too, some, some guys that have played together before, some guys who played for Odom. It's a lot of pieces that you're trying to fit together, but isn't the transfer portal crazy? And I think it's also yes. a great testament to to vcu and the development as i I wrote about this for for monday's paper a little bit about you know there was obviously some spite i think in in the community and and some anger toward all the outgoings i mean when your entire virtually your entire roster leaves like that it's certainly going to leave some people scarred and understandably so um you've just formed a relationship with these kids and watch them achieve great things for the program right and it's hard to say goodbye 
But I think that it's important to have the perspective of, hey, VCU is bringing in as many transfers as it's losing. And so you're benefiting off of the portal just as much as you're you're being hurt by it and kids leaving, right? And VCU is bringing in Power 5 kids to replace kids that they're sending to Power 5 schools. You know, like like Efton and Rose, obviously Jason was at Richmond, but he was a power, he had Power 5 offers out of high school. Um, I think that it's great that players see VCU as a place that they can get power five development. Right. And, and you can, sometimes maybe it's a stepping stone and you play for a couple years and then move on to a power five program. And then sometimes maybe you've played at a power five program for a couple years and feel like you haven't realized your ceiling and you feel like VCU is the right place to go after that. Right. For a guy like Rose who has probably hasn't made the impact that he feels like he's capable of in the couple years at Louisville then you know go to vcu and 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 hone your skills and get to that level that you think you can get to and so i think that uh, it, it's important to keep into perspective the the things that the kids that are leaving accomplished for this program you know a lot of them were um were huge foundational pieces of a team that won a, a regular season title and, a, and an a10 tournament title last year and they get a place in vcu lore forever for that um, and same with mike i understand animosity you know it it, it sucks when you feel like your program has that stepping stone reputation, um, you know, as a place that a coach is going to use to get to the, his next level. And that we could probably make an entire separate podcast about that conversation and how VCU tries to move on um, yeah. past being that point. I know that a lot of people like to throw out the Big East possibility and the hope someday that VCU could make that jump and that that's the answer and that that's how this program becomes a butler, you know, where it's, it's, it's not a stepping stone. It's a, um, it's a destination, um, in, in the minds of ECU fans, but in in a moment with this much roster transience, I think it's certainly important to keep things in perspective and and know that you're benefiting off of the portal just as much as you know you're losing pieces to it, and that kids see this as a place where they can get great development and 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 develop into really good players just as much as you can you know at, at a power five school, and I think that that's definitely um, a good commentary on the program, and also. Uh, this is getting tangential and cut me off if you need to here, but with how mm. fast Ed moved. I mean, that's, you yeah. know, going back to our, how all four of this. Hours. That's all it was, was four hours, which. Man, it was nuts. That's right? questions in my mind, but we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. <laughs> I, I will say for those of you who are listening, this might be the first time you're listening. Go back a couple episodes to the episode I did when Rhodes left. And I address a lot of the things that Zach talked about, about the Big East and all that. And and I'll just leave it at that. I do, I do want to. Focus in on Efton Reed for just a moment before we go. Efton Reed was at Stewart, right? Yes, at Stewart School. All um, all Metro in 2020, along with uh, Jason Nelson and Roosevelt Wheeler. They're they're all in the All Metro first and, team. And that that's the that's the thing that interests me because we've had big time top 25, top 30 recruits in the city of Rich in the Richmond area before. Not at Stewart. Usually Benedictine or Collegiate or somewhere else. You know, sometimes they transfer to you know to uh, Fork uh, Fork Union or or Flint Hill or one of those places. But it's Stewart. That is interesting to me. Tell me about that young man. And you know, he's not over the line yet, but VCU's heavily into him and may very well get him. Tell me about him and and just and why you think he's he's it looks like he's going to come home and play for VCU. So so Kurt Kassab. Would actually be that is is the answer to your question there a little bit. He was the coach at Stewart for a uh-huh. long time. He recently, um, T.J. Grimes, who was actually a Hampton Sydney alum, that broke Ryan Odom's three point record 
at Hampton Sydney is now the head coach at Stewart. He's great uh-huh. as well and taking up the mantle there. But it's been a program that is, as long as I've been covering high school sports in the area competes among the best in, in VISAA Division Two and with the area's best private schools. Um, Kurt uh, left for Florida um, and, and Coach Kassab was, was one of the area's best for years there. He was at Deep Run previously uh-huh. and built a really good program there um, and then went to Stewart. And they've had Curtis Blair as well in in recent years who's first team all metro this year he's committed to liberty um and so they they've produced a couple and curtis had offers from virginia tech and and power five schools and stuff he was a power five recruit and chose to go to liberty and so they've produced a few guys over the last few years um i would definitely point to coach kasab as as the main developmental impact on efton um he was a beast when he was at steward man i mean he was one of the best players if not the best player in the area um, really, really interesting offensive skill set for a seven footer. Um, I don't think he thinks of himself as a true five. I think he almost he thinks of himself as as a stretch four or that modern, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, Joel Embiid, you know, the the big who might be a five, but who can step out on the perimeter. Not that I'm making those comparisons. Uh, Efton has a lot of, you know, I'm sure he'd be the first to say has a lot of way to go developmentally to get to those guys. But that's the kind of skill set that he has for a seven footer. He can step out and shoot it. He can face up with guys. He can drive at you. Um, he can play in the mid range. Um, he can score in the post with a jump hook. He doesn't like to play with his back to the basket a whole lot from what I remember. So he's not really like a true post five in that way. And he's definitely not, you know, like, like Rose is a motor, like around the basket, like a true five, like he's not going to step out on the perimeter. Like he's going to dominate the glass. He's going to dunk a lot. Think like, Mo Ali Cox, but doesn't run the floor as well. Obviously, Mo's an NFL tight end. No bigs run the floor like Mo did, but Hmm. like a taller, less mobile version of Mo. Lots of dunks, lots of blocks, great uh, defensive instincts around the basket. Efton's not that, right? Like he's not a true five. He's not a rim runner. He's more of a Euro modern NBA five. You know, and I I think that's certainly with the skill set that he has at seven feet tall, he certainly still has NBA aspirations for his career. And so I think, one of the things that was most interesting in talking to his mother, um, Maria, um, is that she's, they love the fact that uh, Ryan's dad, Dave, helped develop Tim Duncan at Wake Forest, and they hope that Ryan can have some of the similar impact on Efton. And I think that he's definitely, um, not that Tim Duncan's his ceiling, I, I, would, I would never say that, but mm-hmm. he's got an incredibly intriguing skill set for a seven-footer that obviously Mark Few at Gonzaga wanted, that Will Wade at LSU wanted. Um, and that I've, I've heard that he took a visit to Michigan recently. And so, and that, so Jawan Howard at Michigan wanted, I mean, big power five coaches, blue blood programs have looked at him and I'm sure have been intrigued and wanted his skill set on their roster. His eligibility is interesting. We touched on that with him and Joe, right? From what Mm -hmm. I've heard, the NCAA is pretty lenient about waivers to play closer to home. And so even though. There was some worry in the past couple of years that they've said that they're going to crack down on the multi-time transfers as we get further removed from COVID-impacted seasons. Um, I, I, from what I've heard, both Joe and Efton, people expect them to be immediately eligible and and to get a waiver if they were to come to VCU. Now, the interesting thing with Efton about that is, does, does that mean that his only options are VCU or stay at Gonzaga? Oh. Right? Because my impression is I, if he went to a Michigan, I think he'd have to sit. Because he's not going to get the waiver then, so uh, I think uh, you know a Richmond or a VCU somewhere immediately close to home for him are really his only options if he wants to play 
next year aside from staying at Gonzaga. So my impression right now is that is that that's what the decision has been for him about whether to stay at Gonzaga or go to VCU. Obviously, a phenomenal program there with a great history of developing bigs. Um, but I think my impression is the the draw of playing with his friends and playing close to home again is is pretty strong for him right now. Um, I have seen uh, I think the Nelsons on a on a post on Twitter earlier in the week that um, Miss Reed commented on. They were even doing some recruiting and telling her. <laughs> openly on social media and come join all of us and stuff. So I think, yeah, I think that the the rest of that reunion group is recruiting Efton as much as the VCU community and, and Ryan is right now. Um, I've heard positive things. I think we've all heard positive things. Um, I know there was a visit to Michigan, I believe, in there. I think that might be part of the reason for the delay here. But I think everyone hopes in the coming days or perhaps even imminently that there should be an announcement on that front. Yeah, the NCAA and that multi-time transfer rule. Sorry, NCAA, you let that genie back out of the bottle, and it ain't going back in. I'm afraid because no, they not. try that. I think they're gonna. I think they get taken to court and lose. And God bless those folks and and Fats Phillips doing all and, and Toby Lamar and everybody else that's on the roster doing all that recruiting for us. God bless you all. We love you for that. We all love you out here, all Rams fans. Zach, this has been fantastic as it was the last time. I really appreciate all the time you've taken with me. And, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at the computer and it's, we got about six months to go. And Holly, can October hurry up and get here? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait because I'm thinking about that front court Roosevelt Wheeler, Efton Ray, Toby Lawall, and Christian for me. And I'm thinking about that front court and I'm just rubbing my hands together. That's a part of it. So it's absolutely a power five front court. Yeah. And I just, oof, I just, October, can it get here soon enough? So thank you for joining us here on Rams Rewind. Anything you want to promote, same shameless self-promotion is the rule of the day here. Go ahead. Man, just, as you said, excited for the upcoming season. I mean, genuinely about the energy that there's going to be around this group and 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 Ryan um, and seeing all of these pieces fit together and seeing so many local kids have a big place on this roster. Um, as someone who's covered high school sports in the area for a few years now and, and is a VCU alum himself, seeing that connection between the city and the program is is special. And I think it's going to be a really awesome experience for local basketball fans. Um, I'm Zach Joachim on Twitter. The last name's J-O-A-C-H-I-M. Um, George, thank you so much for having me on, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation and it's always a joy to, to talk some VCU hoops. Oh, I appreciate it. It's been great. And if you like what you hear out there in podcast land, and you want to help us out, you can still donate us. We're, we're starting over. This is the new season now. And if you do that, we will shout you out for donating to us uh, during, during, these, during these podcasts and recaps that we do during the season. And we appreciate all the support everyone gave out here to this podcast last year. And if you continue it this year, that is great. Thank you all for listening. Whenever the next time we're going to be on, we look forward to talking with everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.